0: Welcome to the Forging Honor Podcast. I'm Jonathan
1: George. And I'm Benjamin Jones. Here at The Forge, we explore what it means to live as Christian men. Along the way, we'll be doing weekly challenges to build character through action. We are by no means experts, just two young Christian men trying to make sense of a
0: wild world. That's right. We're doing our best to learn and hope you'll join us on the journey. And if you want to get directly involved, go to forginghonor.com to find information on how to join our community. This is Episode 8, The Call of Home. And disclaimer, before we jump in, uh, we had some audio and connection issues throughout the episode, so forgive us for uh, any interruptions to your regularly scheduled 14 honor program. All right, well, it is time for this challenge wrap-up. As a reminder, challenges last for 10 days. That's Monday through Friday for two weeks in a row. Uh, they're going to be simple daily tasks to grow as men. Uh, lately, we've been leaning pretty heavily into util- utilizing our journals. We call them our honor journals. Um, uh, to explore the world around us. So this previous challenge was an, a journal challenge as well as a reading challenge in some ways. I, I guess kind of more in the middle, maybe a meditation challenge would be.
1: Meditation challenge, yeah.
0: Yeah. So we read um, a couple works by Jack London, the, the Call of the Wild and To Build a Fire, um, just for a few minutes each day, um, kind of meditating on the the way it approaches the way London approaches the environment around us, the technologies, the idea of of work and rest that's occurring in there, I, just the patterns that London is exploring. And we were
1: also uh, interested in in looking at what does it mean to be reading a book as opposed right, to right. being on our phone or on our computer? What is the medium? How does the medium affect the message? I think that was another part of, of what we talked about.
0: Exactly. That's been a, a theme for the last couple of episodes. Um so I I only hit six of the ten days on this challenge. Um, I'll have a qualification to that in a little bit. And then banjo, by my count on our Discord, hit eight of the ten. Um, That's right. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, but very no, good. I- um, so I hit the, I hit the six of the ten. I did not do the first four days just straight up. <laughs> and the entire reason is because I was like, I'm not going to read this on my phone. I'm I'm not going to do an audiobook. I don't actually like audiobooks very much. Okay. Um, so I finally got out to a local bookstore, picked this up. Because I, I, I could, with the amount of time it took me, I should have just ordered on Amazon or something. But I thought, oh, it'll be faster just to go to a local bookstore. They'll definitely have right. it. And they did, but it took me four days to actually. My wife went and picked it up finally.
1: <laughs> well, you supported um, a local business. So, you know, you, yes, you can yes, sip yes. well tonight.
0: Your conscience uh, is clean. And the copy that I got came with several short stories in here. Um, not only The Call of the Wild, but uh, uh, it also had uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, Diable, or I guess it's French Diable, a dog, An Odyssey of the North, To the Man on the Trail, To Build a Fire, and Love of Life. Um, wow. I got so engrossed in it. I ended up reading all of them except to, except uh, to the man on the trail. I haven't finished that one quite yet, but I I really, I hadn't taken a dive into London like this before. And I really loved it. I'd read yeah. the Build of fire and the call of the wild before, like in high school. Um, but I got so engrossed and I was like, I got to read these other short stories. These are so yeah. interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's such a compelling, he reminds me of, of Hemingway and the way he's able to tell a story just like, Super quickly, super engrossingly, and you know without without any unnecessary details, it feels like I don't know London sometimes has a few details that I feel like slip in there that maybe aren't super necessary um but it was a so did you find any of the new ones that you liked more than you expected or more than the old ones?
0: you know they they each of them were. Same in that they focused on the Klondike. This is um, this s- set of short stories is very focused on the Klondike. Um, I really uh, enjoyed Love of Life. I've been thinking about that one a lot. Have you read that before, Ben? No,
1: no. Call of the Wild and and To Build a Fire are really the oh, and White Fang. Those are the only three that I'm really familiar with.
0: I, I have not read White Fang, um, but Love of Life captivated me in a way I did not expect. Uh, it focuses on similar to, to build a fire, a man lost in his environment, but the outcome is a bit different. Uh, (laughs) and (laughs) I guess, I guess theoretically, so spoiler alert, if you're listening to this episode, we're assuming you have read, uh, at least to build a fire and the call of the wild. So I'm not, I won't spoil the other ones. I might talk about the themes a little bit. Um, but to build a fire and, and the call of the wild are definitely getting spoiled. Uh, so you, you had like, 200. go read them and then come back here. You had like 50 years, everybody, like 50, 60, 150, something years. like that. Come on. This is yesterday's news. Um, at any rate, no, I, I, I want you to go read love of life banjo and okay. tell me what you think. Cause I, I, I understand why it hasn't had as much of the staying power as to build a fire and call of the wild both of those being regularly assigned in our high school English classes. But love of life, I think, f- for me, there was something about the struggle of the, of the main character that is occurring that just is, it's so different than uh, To Build a Fire. So in To Build a Fire, it, it's characterized by fear, I feel. Like. Well, but first by haughty pride and then by fear. And those are the emotions oh, yeah. that man experiences. Love of life, the emotion is like there's there's definitely momentary fear. He's alone in the Klondike, right? You don't want that. Never. So, um, but there's this there's this indomitable just unwillingness to die. Hmm that I I don't know, it captivated me. It was very fascinating. Um I want you to I want you to read it. Uh yeah.
1: Yeah, when, uh, here you go. When, once once we're done with this, we'll just stop recording now and then – uh, Yeah, just that's jump it. right into it. Thank you for listening to the Forging Honor podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and cue the, cue the end. Um, anyway, cue the music. So, so did- I, as our liter- as our local slightly more uh, literary – well, you're an English major, so I don't know if that makes you more or less uh, bearable when it comes to literary
1: uh Oh, it makes analysis. me much more
0: – it makes me
1: much more unbearable, but it makes me much uh, more right.
0: Okay, right, right. <laughs> At any rate, uh, what were your thoughts on on
1: each of these works? Well, before we dive into the books' themes and and motifs and stuff like that, um, let me. I wanted to ask you first: how how difficult was the challenge for you? How hard was it to to set aside time?
0: Was that something that you already do regularly? Uh, I do not read as often as I would wish. Uh, Partially because of, of *Forging Honor*, I've actually been reading a lot more lately than uh, than I had been at least last year. Um, that said, it's something I do need to make time for in the during the day. But with fiction, I find uh, if I get if I get engrossed in it, like I did with uh, London's works, I I just end up reading and reading, and going, and I just completely forget to do anything else. So I have to set it off till all my other tasks are accomplished. Like it becomes. Yeah. making time for it is making sure everything else is done. With nonfiction, uh, even if it's something I'm very interested in, i I can pick that up and put it down throughout my day without really thinking about it too much. Um, you know, five, ten minutes here or there as I can fit it in. So a lot of that just has to do with the type of work I'm reading. I definitely do when when it comes to having a physical book, it's much easier for me to p- remember to pick up and read. No. Every time I've done ebook or audiobook or something, like I don't think I've ever finished an audiobook on my own. The only really? times I've ever finished an audiobook are if, say, it's on in the car because my mom put it on for a drive or something like that. Right. Um, but I've never started and finished an audiobook that I've been listening to myself. Yeah. Yeah, I so thought how about, it was, how about yourself.
1: Well, it was interesting because I, I, I mean, I love reading. It's always been a a part of what I do. Um since i was little um i remember reading jack london in the middle of the night you know with a with a flashlight under the covers uh and and not being able to sleep because the story was so just yeah thrilling and and you know totally getting to be transported somewhere else and you know into the into the deep yukon it was such a great feeling um so i've always loved that what i did find was um it was it was difficult to set aside time for like this particular book um, maybe just because I've read it so many times um, but I I found it difficult to be like, oh wait I you know I had to remember to do this and I gotta I set aside the time to do it And it just highlighted for me one of those things where it's like you know once you set out to make a habit of something and y- you think of it, even if it's something that you've been doing, for a long time as soon as you like dedicate dedicate some effort to it it suddenly becomes very you know very much harder i think weirdly do you ever ever have that where you're
0: like you've been doing something for a long time and then without thinking? i know exactly what you mean yeah you're like i'm gonna make a habit of it well it's it's not even about making a habit of it it's more it becomes work Mm -hmm. as soon as something goes from from play to work there's something in our minds that switches i don't think that that's good i think I think we should desire to do the work that we do even if it's grueling hard work. There which I think is a theme of, of at least of the call of the wild. Yes. Well, and that's something I've been thinking about is uh, one of the things that captured me was these the dogs at the end of every day that they've been you know r- racing through the snow, they just lie down and they're dead. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's that dead tired that I I know exactly that feeling where like, man, I feel good that I accomplished this thing and I can't wait to do it again. It's the best feeling.
1: I mean, there's no there's no better feeling than than, you know, putting in an eight hour day of of physical labor, you know, and just not being able to stand
0: up when you get in the shower the next, you know. Right. That said, there are people that, you know, do that for 40, 50 years and it's backbreaking and it kills them. Yeah. So there is a limit it to like what does it mean for physical work to be good, right? We were made in the garden to work the garden. Right. I we're don't think that labor. necessarily I don't think that necessarily means we should do labor that kills us by the time we're forty years old. Right.
1: Well it's part you of know, the curse, right? That's the the curse is right because the
0: twisting of that labor.
1: Now it's thorns and thistles. Now it's gonna be harder than you can bear. Um, but but we were always made to do work, and I, and I think hard work. But I think there's a a cursed nature to the way that we have to work now, um, and a brokenness to it. You know, I think of I'm thinking in the in the Call of the Wild. There's the scene, which is so interesting to me, where the where the non Northerners come in, where the where the people who
0: are out of their element come right, in, right? The the two guys and the the wife and mercedes sister of the, the, yeah mercedes is her name and and they do such a poor
1: job you know they're such poor taskmasters um
0: and, well, and some- it's 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 for all the it's not because they uh i don't know it's funny the the contrast of the characters i think is what really sets them apart right the one yeah. the one young man shows up and he's got this massive knife and a massive revolver on which he thinks is the stuff wild with ammo. yeah it's like this is this is the wild this is how I'm gonna go conquer the wild um and and they're clearly very romantic about it right they the the woman comes along it's very romantic about what she can bring but they've overloaded the sled to more than twice what it should actually be able to carry right. there's a romance that quickly turns into a bitterness
1: yeah yeah there's there's so much that they have expected but they've they've really expected the world to kind of roll over for them you know and they don't understand what it takes and and they are all so inherently selfish you know and self-centered um and and I think even the characters that are around them in that scene demonstrate that in this in this wild you have to be selfless you know in order to survive because even the men you know the men who stop them from killing the dogs basically are like look you know it's I don't really care about you so much, but these dogs, you know, stop I'm doing it for the sake of the dogs. Um because there right. is some some instinct in them that says, you know, this isn't this isn't right. And I think you see it in to build a fire too. Like there's a respect. You have to respect nature and you have to respect other people and you know, not try and go it alone and not try and, you know, do it in your own strength. Um because you'll never you'll never survive that way.
0: Right. I think that's applicable in our day to day lives here, our very comfortable day to day lives of air conditioned homes and you know, even if we have to do you and I anyway, if we have to do physical labor, we can come right back inside and have a nice shower. Yeah. Um it, you know, it's interesting the phenomenon of I, I was thinking about these these men and dogs in real life that explored the Klondike or just explored the West in general. It was never on their priority list to wake up and do push-ups after they when they got out of bed and make sure they ate a good <laughs> breakfast. You know, that's not on the. Yeah. You know, they were just working so hard anyway. Um, just a matter of survival, exactly, and, and that's something that we don't have, I think, um, in our day to day lives. Now, the and yet there is an element of we're faced with certain what what looked to us like survival moments when we're making decisions about our bank account or our home or buying a car, whatever it is, um, there are going to be situations in our life where we're going, Oh man, I don't know what we're going to do with this. I don't, I, what do I do here? So the survival is different, but, but it takes similar mental fortitude and, and sacrifice, I think.
1: No. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, you know, I, I, something I was thinking about as I was reading it, you know, the picture of Jack London's man, Man and beast sort of is so it's it's very primal you know it's primordial he talks about that a lot it's a word he uses a lot and it's it's he his love and his vision of you know what man is or or who man should be is very much the survival instinct you know um, kill or be killed law of club and fang kind of a mentality which I think is a favorite of, of a lot of men, you know, it's one that we want to lean into because it's, it's, it's just awesome. You know, this idea that you're going to go out and you're going to conquer the wild or, you know, become a part of it and, and be engrossed in it um, and, and access that, that, that first man kind of feeling. But I, I think in contrast to that, one thing that I, I, I am struck by all the time is that at least right now, you and I live in a world that has a striking absence of any need for a survival instinct. Um, you know, there's there's hardly any time, and Lord willing, never will be, where where you and I will have to, you know, make a decision to kill somebody, um, or maybe even to, you know, save a life in in a particular way. Certainly not in the ways that have to be done in the in the klondike um and it it seems to me i've always been struck by the works of cosmic fiction and cosmic horror where there's there's the battle isn't isn't so much with nature but but more with oneself um and more with like you know the absence within but i think many of the things that are applied in jack london's work many of the things that you know, he uses for survival apply just as well to to that kind of um, battle, the battle within, you know, and, and the cosmic struggle, which I think to build a fire is a great example. I mean, that's a, to build a fire is both a survival story in nature, but it's also a survival story of, of the self. Do you know what I mean?
0: It, it is survival, but it's, it's not respected that way until it's actually too late. Right. right. So he he goes out and there's this switch in his mind that only occurs once he's basically certainly dead. Right. Um up up to that point, he's going, Well, these old timers, they don't know. Like I'm surviving just fine. I don't need a I don't need a buddy out here. I'm good. I'm gonna go it on my own. And then as soon as he's all but dead. Am I using that phrase right?
1: No, no I've always right. been
0: confused by that phrase. That's a tricky one, but yeah, you got an all but yeah. dead. All but dead, um, his mind switches to the old timers were right, but then, you know, it's over for him. He's not, there's no opportunity for him to recognize the true peril of his situation. Yeah.
1: And I think, I think that's one of the things that we have to be vigilant about and not anxious about, but just to, to know where our blind spots are and to start and, and to not have that pride that, that ar- arrives with you know the two young in Mercedes and arrives with the man in to build a fire it's I mean pride is in some ways their their chief downfall but the ability to be courageous in the face of things it
0: it is, is different in different ways um, because the the trio in call the wild they they seem to come in they have a very romantic view of the klondike they have a very idealized view of it the man had to build a fire it, it's clear that he doesn't have enough of that it's made pretty clear in the first couple of paragraphs i think where he comes up it's all just very practical to him right um so you just you do these things and he's he know he knows his way around the land right he clearly has experience in a way they don't he has not over romanticized it in that same sense, he doesn't respect the sheer just awe of it. He doesn't, he doesn't respect it's the transcendence its, of it. Yeah, exactly. And I, it, you got to have a little bit of, of both. And I think that's, that's the character of uh, John Thornton. Um, yeah. Right. That's the, he's kind of the ideal in that sense. Right. Which, what an wild.
1: awesome guy.
0: Like, I, he's every just time I read, incredible it, man. He's yeah. Amazing. You're like, man, this guy's awesome. Um, right. He truly respects, uh, kind of the wildness that's why he's able to survive and yet he's he's able to come and he's clearly made a living taking from the land what he's able to and yet he's not he's not um he's not a destroyer of it he's not he's not someone who uh has he's neither unimpressed nor over romanticized with it you know he he loves the dog for the dog and and he doesn't had this ideal of like the dog's gonna do these things for me dog just does you know he's not yeah. i don't know I, i'm 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 kind of losing myself in, in my train of thought here but well, I, you, I, I you need to read um how do you pronounce it diablo diablo diablo, diablo. well it's d-i-a-b-l-e so it's not oh, yeah. it's not spanish it's french oh, it's diablo. the french version of so i guess if diablo is that means devil diablo. with croissants yeah devil with <laughs> I like that anyway um, and that one is a story of a man who does not respect his nature hmm. and he's 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 more ferocious than so in, in to build a fire right the man keels over and dies eventually right in Diablo a dog Um, the man there has just the, the sheer brute um strength and the sheer brute will to continue to survive but the story itself shows the consequences of if you have someone like that and he has no respect for the world around him what happens Hmm. um so i want you to read that one too uh because he's a direct contrast he is the complete antithesis of john thornton yeah in the sense that they are both very capable they both have been at the klondike for a long time they both know what they're doing but the way they approach the world and the way they understand the world the way they treat the people and the dogs around them completely different. Uh, yeah,
1: and I think that's such a great like such a great point because you know, I don't I don't think London is a a Christian and I don't think he might be. I I'm not well read enough on my London biographies to be to be positive. But one thing that is interesting is, you know, the sense of of man knowing his place in creation thinking about you know, I think about um, what's the what's the psalm where he says, "I I I do not dwell on things that are too great for me. Uh, I do not think about things that basically I don't, I don't think about things that I don't need to worry about." And I and and John Thornton doesn't worry about these like big huge things. And and actually, the only moment where he he kind of Gets captured by a dream, you know. He gets captured by the idea of going off to find this gold mine that nobody else has found. It's like his one. It's like his one moment of arrogance. Well, that's not true because the. Uh, well, it's not the gamble. Uh, yeah, is it's also not really arrogance. Right, but he's captured. He's captured by something, yes. maybe beyond his his reach. And he goes out. He goes out to find it, and then he meets the Indians. You know. Um. It's just it's this what is your what is your calling? What is your place? And and I'm struck by Buck who is totally happy in his little, you know, Southland son, you know, son and, and games. But once he is introduced to this struggle to the wild, that that part of him comes out, you know. And it seems to me that London is is in admiration or in awe of of our ad- ability to adapt to to things that we didn't think we could, you know. Uh, and and Buck has this this pride and this arrogance in the first couple of paragraphs. You know, he he thinks he's the prince of this of this land. He thinks he's the center of attention right. in the judge's palace or whatever. But then once he gets thrust into the bottom rung of of the wild. He gets to work his way up, and and the the pressure of the situation, you know, makes makes that diamond, uh, and makes him who he is until he becomes, you know, the ghost dog out in the out in the wilderness, um, right? So I wonder if it's not—I don't know what you think about this, but um, I wonder if if London is less interested in saying—it's kind of what you were talking about earlier—but less interested in saying, you know, all men should be like this. You know, all men should go out into the Yukon, but maybe I wonder if more he's saying when you are thrust into the Yukon, you know, when you are, when you are forced into it, this is what can happen. You know, this is, this is how you discover, and this is how you become
0: who you are. Or yeah, you, I,
1: Is that possible? I, or do you think it's more like no, this No, I think
0: you're right because I think we have to be careful with saying we should be like Buck the dog. Right. right, I don't think it's the, it's not the calling of men to go. I'm going to go run off into the wild on my own, form find my pack, lead my pack, do my you know whatever it is, become this ghost man or whatever. Like that's not that's not the calling of men, especially not of Christian men. And and from what I know of Jack London, he was not. Um, I, I I'm not sure he was a Christian. Um, he is touching on something though that's innate in us in in that sense of exactly what you're saying when you're thrust in these situations. And you see that, like we've, we've talked about the, the story of unbroken on, on here before. Yeah. Um, or you see that just the, the great feats of men throughout history. Um, and, and yet in some ways, like those are, those are harder things sometimes than the, the day to day at home. I think like, because, because you look at it, what happens to every dog in the traces eventually, right? They die in the traces. Like That's that's, their such,
1: that's maybe my favorite scene in the whole book is when it, the one, when the one dog is like dying and, and can't make it, uh, but just like won't let anyone else take his spot in the traces. And like, he's like, no, I'm going, I'm going to die doing right. this
0: work. See, in my mind, that's almost more noble than what, bu- what Buck ends up doing. Yeah, because because I think that that in some ways is a harder thing to do, to wake up every single day to face the same task than to, than to go out and say, I'm going to do this thing or die right there. Like for Buck, when he's when he becomes leader of his pack, right, he's either gonna, that's either, he's either going to achieve that or he's going to die. He's facing right. this great challenge. And I think in some ways it's easier for us men to jump at those things at, at that opportunity Uh, you know, I'm going to take this great risk. I'm going to go do this great heroic thing. And if I die, well, I died doing this heroic thing. Yeah. No, no one, no one writes songs about the man who wakes up every single day, cares for his family, continues to do that and, and dies in the traces as it were. Right. Yeah. But that's the work we're called to. You're right. I mean,
1: it's, it's, you know, I, I, I think of, um, you know, the the line in Hamilton where it says, what is it? Uh, dying is is a young man living is harder um which i think is is true and and if you look all through the pages of you know western literature it's you know even even eastern literature too come to think of it you you know you see these young characters who are you know desperate to die for a cause who will do anything to die noble cause noble cause and admirable causes who are in love with the martyrs um but but over and over again, you see the old men, you know the Odysseuses of the world saying, "No, it's it, you know I right. don't, I don't want to die doing this. I don't want to be Achilles. Achilles is a tragedy. Iliad is a tragedy. Right. But the Odyssey, when he makes it home, spoiler alert for the Odyssey. Sorry, um, if you haven't read that yet, then <laughs> <laughs> we have or another seen a version of it or some <laughs> some, some sort. Uh, yeah, go watch uh, go watch
0: your oh, brother Ardal great um, film there, great. there's aspects there um that are present in, in jack london's work as well he actually he hit one of these short stories is an odyssey of the north which is yeah uh, you know it there, there are hints and similarities great read you should go yeah. read that one too banjo it
1: looks like i just got i have a lot of reading to do um but anyway yeah like we we love the idea of you know if they tell my story am i either going to die in the battlefield and glory will rise up you know like again hamilton says and i think how much harder is it to do what we're actually called to you know just to to you know thinking about christ and and maybe this is a transition to talk about something else but to think about our our work as men is to to love those around us, as Christ love the church, you know, um, to submit to authority and to do the hard work of dying to ourselves every day, to be the last, um, to be the servant of others, um, you know, not to be the alpha male, as as I think a lot of people would would say, not to lead the
0: pack necessarily, but which, by the way, side note, that entire study has been discredited. So this whole alpha male like wolf pack thing that we've been going off of for however many years, there was one study on that that got really hyped up and it's been completely discredited. Anyway, (laughs) I I just think that's a funny little thing that it's entered our vocabulary now and yet it's not real. (laughs) It's not real. Well, maybe that should tell us something. Um,
1: But yeah, it's it's like that's not our work. Our work is to be servants. And I'm thinking about this particularly, part of the reason we wanted to do this challenge was... Because of you know just the the tactile, tangible element of reading a book, you know what's the difference between reading a story and watching a movie? Um I was thinking I was playing a lot of video games this week and trying to understand like what's the difference between you know a video game version of storytelling and a book version of storytelling um, but but that all has to do with the medium or the media in which a a text or a story is delivered. Um, and you know it's it's tomorrow is easter sunday um and we're thinking about christ's death and resurrection and you know when we think about you know christ as the word you know the word made flesh he he is you know the good news christ is is the good news he is the gospel um his message is is literally made incarnate made flesh in him and he's the perfect version of that message. Um, he's the perfect example of of what we're called to. Um, and if, as we think about that medium, you know, what is how does that stack up next to you know the call of the wild? I don't, I don't think that the Christian is necessarily called to the call of the wild, but I think there's things that we can admire and love and there's beauty
0: in it. Yeah, and I think um how i was talking with uh another forging honor member i meant i mentioned uh local forging honor members all the time and it's wonderful that there are people near me uh that we also get that i get to talk about with anyway um and he was saying yeah he he's not sure he agrees with kind of the thesis of there's this innate call of of nature in all of us hmm. um and I, I understand, um, what he's saying there because yeah, it's, it's, that's actually like you look through history. That's not really our nature. There are, there are those individuals that that seems to happen to, but our, right. our, our nature is Babel. We naturally congregate mm. together in these massive cities and it's, it's a rejection of that. I think, you know, there, there are those that go past that and reject it and they go so far that they just want to be on their own and become a hermit somewhere. Yeah. Um, or, or have their, their small tribe somewhere. And I think, you know, it's kind of the, the in-between of that, that is perhaps what we're actually called to, but it, it's not necessarily what we want to do.
1: Yeah. You know, I, again, thinking of like Christ, he, you know, he does his ministry in the city so much of the time he, he does it surrounded by crowds. He does it with all these people, you know, he goes into Jerusalem um, but he also withdraws into the wilderness for, like, quiet and contemplation and reflection. Not necessarily to do, you know, great feats or or battle. Though there are certainly battles that he faces in the in the wilderness. But it yeah, it does strike me that maybe maybe our call to our our call of the of the wild isn't necessarily what we're called to because we're called to cultivate it, right? Like our, our call is to tend the garden right um so like we're called into nature but not to be subsumed by it you know buck becomes the ghost dog but i like you were saying like we're not we're not called to do that we're called to maybe you know tame the wild in a certain way right and and you see
0: uh uh so there are other characters people like like john thornton but there are characters in other of his short stories that have been in the Klondike for a very long time and have built a life for themselves there. But what they've done, um, so I'm specifically thinking of in, in Odyssey of the North and in what I've read of the, To the Man on the Trail, they have some of the same characters in them. Um, but the character through whose eyes the story is told has been in the Klondike a very long time, has a cabin there, um, and he's very comfortable in nature, but he's brought a little bit of civilization into it and and there's that balance that he's living out um that makes him a decent character and he's he's likable in that way he's not um he's not going too far in either direction i think
1: yeah and as as you're talking about that you know one of the things like those those little bits of civilization that are brought into the wild one of the things that stood out to me as i was reading it reading call of the wild this time was you know those there's those rituals one might say habits um, that are key to the survival of you know anyone going into the Klondike or the Yukon or whatever, um, but but it's it's these little things that you do every day that are are key to maintaining your sanity and maintaining um, you know your life and the life of those around you, um, and and it's the failure to do that that sets apart you know. Um, the selfish from the unselfish or the, you know, the, the civilized from the uncivilized, you know, John Thornton always feeds his dogs, you know, and, you know, takes care of them and loves them and, and knows
0: how to, how to train them. And the mail, the mail carriers at the beginning, who seem like pretty decent guys. Yeah, yeah, they're I mean, always taking care of the dogs first before they take care of themselves. They're checking their feet,
1: the feet, the whole, yeah. That's a really like it's a really tender moment when they're they're checking their feet and you know making sure that they're okay. But you know the the people who stand out in their failure is the is the newcomers. You know the two guys and the girl who 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 don't even know how to properly portion out feed or 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 pack it. You know, and sometimes the dogs don't get fed at all. And you know Mercedes is is feeding the dogs herself, you know, and so they run short. And so, you know, just not having that ownership and that control and and those habits is is what dooms them. And I I think that's an interesting thing, you know, for for our little project here to take away, is, you know, how are our how are our habits going? You know, are we are we demonstrating a, you know, a, a John Thornton mindset or are we slipping into you know, the three newcomers.
0: Right. Or are we trying to brute force it? Right. I think that's, um, I think I, I, I do this wild swing. You know, some days it's like, by my own power, I'm going to make sure I get up every day and do my Bible reading and I'm going to get up at the same time, blah, blah, blah. blah you know, right. It's that, uh, I don't know, it's characterized by the, I don't know if anyone said this in a decade, rising grind mindset. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then the flip side is, you know, Jonathan it's okay, it doesn't matter, you know, just do your thing and right, right. And then what ends up happening is, oh, I haven't read my bible in a week. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um
1: I wanted to ask if there's any other things that you want to talk about in the books. Uh we can, I want to get back to it, but I wanted to ask, you know, what did you did you have any thoughts about reading the book or or storytelling in in book form? Um did you, did you have any fresh appreciations of
0: fiction reading or the book? I don't know about fresh or new appreciations. Um, but one thing I was talking about with my wife, actually um, she's reading through the the three musketeers right now. Oh, wow. That's a and doozy! That's a wonderful book. Um, and she was commenting, you know, I, I feel like i haven't read something that is one this well written in a long time hmm. two where someone's train of thought can stretch out over multiple pages and i can follow and understand right it's, hmm. it's well written in that way um as opposed to a lot of our modern literature so i get it's not so much maybe it's not so much that it's it's I had a fresh appreciation of of literature in general, but more a fresh appreci- a fresh appreciation of an ability to actually write well, maintain a train of thought, and express it clearly to a reader. I feel yeah. like authors that try to do that today either become too verbose and you get lost in it, or it's such it, it's like reading um reading a movie script or something. It's sure everything is described for you. You have no there's no space for your own imagination. Um, those are kind of the two styles that I see today. So I I had an appreciation of London as an author in that sense, where he, he, you know, he would kind of take up an idea and just go on with it for pages and yet not get so, not go down such a rabbit hole of an idea that, that he works his way into, um, oblivion. Mm -hmm. And so I really began, I really appreciated that. And I appreciated kind of the, the captivating nature of it. I also appreciated and just with books in general, having to have a longer attention span than you know, yeah the, the thirty seconds of a YouTube short or something, yeah I don't know. but i are you it, it sounds like you're kind of you've been working through that through that a little bit,
1: yeah, i well i so as a as an amateur writer or as someone who who does that often um and as an English major. Um, I'm, I'm always thinking about stories and books and fiction and, you know, why do, why do we do it this way and not this way? And why is this, you know, the technique and not that. And I, I got really, um, engrossed in a video game this week and I was trying to, it was Elden Ring, which if anyone is listening, has played that, um, first off, let me know because there's some bosses that I need help beating. And if you have any advice, I will take it. Um, but two, (laughs) um, it, it is so demanding of your time. It's a video, it's a game that just takes like hours to develop the skills that you need to, to do it, to practice, to beat any of the bosses. Um, and it's extremely rewarding to, to defeat a boss that it's taken, you know, days to fight. Right. Um, and so I, I found it super enjoyable, but as I was doing it, I kept thinking, why am I enjoying this? And should i feel guilty about it and should i be reading a book instead mm. um and i was trying to 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 figure out the difference because reading a book as you've mentioned also takes hard work you know and and attention and time um and and the complaint that i've always heard about video games a they'll rot your brain and b they'll kill your imagination and i actually had a problem with that um well, as I was playing this week because there was something about the game that really sparked my imagination because the world that I was in, the Elden Ring world, if you've ever explored it at all, is massive. And every frame is just soaked with this bizarre creativity that I've never seen anywhere else. Um, and it was, it's strange and engrossing and delightful. Um, and yet, there was something that was so different from that—that that, from, that was from a book. So my imagination was wakened because I could Mm. see – I was seeing things that I had never seen before, which I thought was cool. And there were things happening that I never would have conceived of. And so that opened up a pathway in my brain to be able to conceive of something different. But what I realized is different about a video game versus a book, and I don't think this is necessarily a good thing versus a bad thing. It's just a strength and a weakness, is that in the video game, the thing that's opened up for me in my imagination um. Is these are the pathways that I can take? You know, these are new options for me in this world that already exists. But when I'm reading right. a book, even even in the worst of books, um, the the task of of reading is to participate in the imagining of the world. Because as mm-hmm. you are reading the book, as you're reading the words on the page, your brain is constructing and imagining. The reality. Um, so even though both the video game and the book, or you know, say a movie, have been pre-constructed for you in terms of narrative and dialogue and setting. In a video game, all of the you know all of the colors, all of the faces, all of the, all of those things are preset. But right. in a book, in a work of fiction. You actually have to do the task. You have to do the work of, okay, what does he look like? What does he, you know, how does he sound? And so, uh, you know, when we watch a a book to movie adaptation, we think, you know, that's not what he sounds like. You know, that's not what he looks like um, because we've imagined something different. So I just think this is interesting. I don't know if this is a, a, a general, you know, I don't think it's a condemnation of, of video games or or movies or anything like that. But it was a fresh appreciation I had for books of the the gift of a, of a book to its reader is that you get to participate in the creating of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to participate in how it looks, how it sounds. Um, and that also means that there has to be a real unselfishness both for the author and for the reader. Because the reader or the author has to remember, I'm writing this for, so that it can be read. Right, right. So, how can I help out my reader to to see the world the way that I see it, and to get to the point that I'm trying to make? Um, whereas a video game or a, or a movie, um, it's it's. Oh, sorry. The other thing I was thinking about is is empathy. You know, everyone talks about a book helps to improve your your empathy. You know, putting yourself in the shoes of someone else, and you know, comparing that to a video game, a video game is all about you you know, you're, you're playing it, you're the main character, you're the one, and and often you don't switch characters, you know? Right. Even if you do switch characters, you're still the main focus, right? Because you're the one participating in the game. Yeah, I, I could see that. But a book, a book is fundamentally about someone else. You know, we're always looking into someone else's life. We're always trying to, we're always feeling what they're feeling. Um, And so it's a it's a more selfless act as a reader or even as an author because you're investing you're you're looking into someone else's life even though you're the one getting the entertainment out of it you have to put your brain space into that of another person does that make sense am i totally in an
0: english it, major zone no no it it does i i would be cautious of over philosophizing it i think because ultimately Regardless of whether you're reading or or watching a movie or playing a video game, I think any of those mediums, the best ones tell a good story. Yeah. And you know, you, you could you could qualify what it means to be a good story or whether it should have morals or all kinds of things like that. Set that Aristotle's aside.
1: Aristotle's poetics answers all these questions.
0: Set that aside. <laughs> um and, uh, I think it's, it's the same reason why, you know, you don't read bad literature most of the time and this, for the same reason, you don't play bad video games most of the time. Like it, the, the critiques of like, it'll rot your brain are targeted at the generally, I think one of the, just the first person shooters that no story, no nothing. Hmm. Right. But there are certain video games. I'm not a, much of a video game player. I'm pretty bad at them, actually. Uh, but in college, I loved watching certain video games that my roommates played, like uh, the Uncharted games, for example.
1: Oh, yeah. Great stories. Great.
0: They have great stories. They're beautiful. There's great creativity going on there. Yeah. I would totally, I mean, if, if I had the time in my life, I would absolutely play through those. No problem yeah. there. But you know how much t- wasted time I could spend, as much fun at it as it is playing Call of Duty or yeah. something. Yeah, right. It it is fun, but there's there's no no improvement in terms of your own creativity or anything. You could take Uncharted and go, "That's a great story." That yes, I participated in in a different way than I would have a book. But I think that there's something to be gained from it still, right? And it's part of the fun of a video game is that you get to be a participant in it. You know,
1: I think about right. it with Elden Ring has like six different endings that you know that we know about, which is crazy to me. Um,
0: you're saying but, there could be more.
1: Yeah, that's that's, that's how cool. it's an insane. The developers are insane with the amount of detail. It's I do like absurd. games like that. So anyway, but but depending on your actions in the video game, I think Uncharted might be like this too. But depending on your actions in the game, the ending changes, which is a really really cool element that you could not have in a book. You know, at no point, right. As well, that's why the
0: choose-your-own-adventure books were so popular at some at one point, right? I mean, right. the writing in those is not great, but they were a ton of fun as a as a eleven, twelve-year-old.
1: Yeah, the idea that you get to have an effect on what happens is is fascinating and thrilling, mm-hmm. um, and and I don't mean to you know knock that at all, but I think it is interesting because you know who, who does
0: that put in the driver's seat, right? You know, and and it's just well, a you're difference. you're still so guided by the developers, um, yeah, by the creators, and I I think that's an, that that's important too because there's certain kinds of books that take that approach as well. Some books are meant, I, not necessarily fiction books, but are meant to cause you to take a more active look at the world around you. Yeah, you know that's that's especially the case. You just mentioned Aristotle, and it's especially the case with any any book of philosophy or anything any any book dealing with ideas um that's more its purpose right and i I think i think that what you're saying is right and that the medium changes how you interact with it at the same time if it's well done i think there's a place for it yeah yeah and i I don't i guess i'm going to your your guilt earlier about well should i be reading a book well i mean you shouldn't cut books out entirely but there's a time and a place for a a good video game
1: yeah and i i think that's a good point because there are it's it, it is the question of your medium affects your message, and that doesn't mean that there are good or bad mediums. You know, all it means is think about what your message is, think about what story you want to tell, and then pick whatever medium it is that fits you best. You know, and so that's the beauty of an amazing video game and a well-designed video game is that, or movie. You know, um, I was I've been I've been obsessed lately with with realizing you know you can tell at least I, I think i can tell based on a trailer whether or not a movie is going to be whether or not the director knows what they're doing because mm. a trailer a well edited trailer like the batman trailer the one that just came out you know yeah. a couple of years ago that trailer was stunning and i knew like as soon as it opened up that there was something interesting going on in it Because you could tell that the the director knew he was making a movie, and he knew how to make a movie, you know, Uh, and he knew he was making a Batman movie, which is its own form of medium, you know. Right, right. At this point, they definitely are. It's practically its own genre, you know, the Batman movie. Um, but anyway, you could tell he knew what he was doing just by the trailer, um, and I think I think one thing for us as men, um and, and, you know, forging honor members to take a hold of is what is, what is your message? What is your message? And Hmm. what is your medium? You know, what, in other words, what do you want to put into the world or what do you want to accomplish? And how do you want to do it? And how do you pick a medium that is best for
0: you? I think, I think that's a good question. And I think that's a good segue into uh, our next challenge. All right. So for this next challenge, um, we are going to be taking time to look at the world around us um, and more our, our personal world around us, our homes. Um, but I think it's interesting that that idea of medium is the message. You know, what medium are you choosing to communicate? Um, I think that, that affects say, the things in our homes, the clothes we wear, uh, how we interact with those around us, our our environments that we build around us. Uh, So this challenge, well, again, quick recap, challenges, 10 days, Monday through Friday for two weeks. Um, This one is going to be kind of a a journaling slash meditation challenge. Um, And we're going to be taking elements of actually Marie Kondo, who and she gets flack, I think, uh, a lot of the times for being overly minimalist or she's not really minimalist, but she's- We're she's not throwing li- out all our stuff.
1: Not, no. Not what's, throwing what's, out all her stuff.
0: What was her show? The, the She had a Netflix show. I about, didn't watch it. No, I, I didn't either. But her book, or um, Marie Kondo's book, essentially is is it's all about getting rid of what you don't need, good organization. Um, so we're going to be using- just a, kind of a, a piece of her method, which is go through your home or um, you know, if you live, say, uh, with parents or in someone else's house, go through your room. What Any area that you do have an effect on the environment and consider, you know, what is that environment that you have built? What does it say about you? What do you want it to say about you? What do you want it to do for you? What, how do you want it to grow? Um, so think on that just for a few minutes each day. Um, journal about it uh, uh banjo what do you have to add to that
1: uh yeah just i think be aware of of those spaces uh, you know your office your car um you know I, I think even your you know your lawn outside places you run um the the two things i'll say here one i think and we'll talk about this more next week but um i think i think this challenge is a great opportunity to combat the casual nihilism in our life of nothing really matters, you know, you know, this, this isn't really a big deal. Um, and I I think that's a really prevalent concept in our day to day, you know, just in our modern age is this idea that, well, nothing really matters, you know, Mm. and I think, I think one of our duties as Christian men, is to say no you know the work i do matters the things i do matters um because god says so you know uh, and all that you do in order do you do as unto the glory of god you know I, mm. I think that calls for a wholehearted way of life um and i i think it looks like the dogs and the traces i think it looks like being willing to do whatever it is that you do um you know to the death right you know or or as wesley would say to the pain um <laughs> So I think just be thinking about that, and then um, a recommendation uh, as we're as we're doing this challenge. Um, I just read um, last week or two weeks ago, read that the Hagakure, um, which is the the book of the samurai. Basically, mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a code book that the or a a, a, a philosophy book that was written in the seventeen hundreds at the at the. End of the age of the samurai, um, but there's a lot of life advice in there that I, I just found really interesting. Some stuff that definitely is not good, definitely some skippable portions. Um, but one of the things that is uh, a big idea for them in this, in the code of the samurai is you know do everything as as if it's going to ref- you know think of how everything is going to reflect on you. You know what is what does this action say about you?
0: Um, so I think that's just a good read to to add to this discussion sweet i'll I'll add to that uh marie kondo's book is called the life changing magic of tidying up if you want to get it it's like uh nine dollars on amazon you can find it at local bookstores i'm sure uh she also has i mean she's she's japanese eastern and has definite influences of eastern philosophy and kind of eastern spiritualism going on in that book um if you want to balance that a little bit with some of, of Western ideas, uh, I think uh, Jordan Peterson, he has a chapter in both of his um, major more popular books, uh, 12 rules for life. And then um, what what was it called? The antidote to chaos. Can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, he, he had two back-to-back books and in, and one he has a rule about, setting your home in perfect order before changing the world. And another, he has a a rule about making one room in your house as beautiful as it can be. Um, So I think both of those chapters, if you have the time, would be interesting um, as uh, supplements as well.
1: This has been the Forging Honor podcast. Music and production is by Elliot George. For more information about what we do or to learn how to get involved, visit our website at forginghonor.com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to like, subscribe, and give us a rating to bring others into the Forging Honor journey.
0: On our website, you'll find information on how to do the challenges alongside us, as well as the links to the many resources we mentioned in the show. And we do
1: make a small amount from any purchases you make through our website links, so thank you
0: in advance thanks for taking time with us today. We hope you'll take up the work alongside us and join us in the task of Forging Honor. We'll see you next time.